Continuing with my series of podcasts featuring Hamilton Southeastern uh, candidates for school board election in District 3, uh, one of the candidates, Dr. Carla Cork. So Dr. Cork is joining us for a podcast today. We welcome her. And also Kate Lancer is with us, a senior at HSE High School. She'll be asking most of the questions. Casey Alexander is a junior at Fishers High School, is also a part of this, but he's unable to join us in person today due to participating in a school-sponsored event. So Kate does have a list of questions written by Casey, and we'll be including them in the questions that she poses. So Dr. Cork, uh, welcome again. Um, As a new candidate, uh, you were uh, someone who's not run for office before, as far as I know. So please uh, spend a minute or two just to talk about yourself, uh, to let people know who you are and what you want them to know about you. Sure, no problem. Well, First, I would say thank you for having me. Of course, I appreciate the opportunity to share. And uh, a little about myself, I am a native of Indianapolis, Indiana, and I attended public schools in Lawrence uh, Township and graduated and then went on uh, with the various things that I did in my career. So if anyone's familiar with me, they know that I'm a physician by training, but also an educator as well. And uh, as far as running for office, um, it's, it's funny. Uh, because someone said that to me at uh, a 25th, I think it was our 25th uh, high school u- reunion, and they were like, oh, I'm so surprised to see you here. I thought you'd be like governor or something, and I thought that was <laughs> pretty funny because um, I, I never saw myself doing something like that. So I thought it was interesting that someone else perceived that I would maybe get into politics um, I was just like, wow. And uh, when I was presented with the opportunity to run for school board, I mean, it it really seems like a no-brainer because I love kids, I love education, and um, I definitely think it's for everyone. And I feel like as far as getting into politics, um, you know, you can't ever really get away from it. Uh, no matter what career you're in, whether it's the politics of your job or politics of navigating people, um, you'll always be doing that. And I do remember being a child saying to my mom, oh, my gosh, politics, I, I don't know about this. I don't like it. And uh, she's like, well, but you have to learn how to navigate every space. And so I try to keep that in mind um, even while doing this because that's really what it is. We're navigating a space. We're trying to uh, bring a community together and um, let everyone see that we're better together. Um, We've accomplished so many things. We as in not only just a city, a county, a school district, um, but a nation, we've accomplished so much together. And so those are the tenets of that that I like to focus on as my reason for why I want to do this because kids have so much talent, sometimes untapped talent, so much potential that people don't always realize because maybe they don't see how um, things gel and how other areas work together. Um, I say that as, for instance, I'll use myself as an example. Um, when I had lots of things that I was interested in, people would say, well, you need to just pick one thing and be good at that one thing. And I'm like, I just don't really want to do that. Like, why is that the way? And so I started to go off into things that I liked. Um, and I talk about that in my book, and I tried all these different things. And then I came to real hard and fast realizations of why I did like something or I did not like something. And I think that's important. And so I bring that up because I started off, you know, I'm going to be a physician. But then I went off into education, and I really liked it. But then I saw how it had so much utility in medicine because there's a lot of misinformation in in, uh, medicine and the, you know, your patients or people that you take care of, 
they don't know things and they want to try this and try that. And then you have to kind of explain to them why it will work or won't work or maybe that's not the best idea. Um, things evolve. They're not, you know, stagnant. It, medicine's dynamic. It's fluid. It will change. Um, and I've seen things change before I graduated. And so I say that because to bring all that together to, to full point with full circle with, with what I, my statement, I started off with one thing okay, hey, I'm pretty good at this. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And then I went into medicine. Hey, I'm pretty good at this, but I'm actually, it's because I have the education piece, I can <laughs> be a good physician. And so now I'm using both of those tenets to this next level. And I say that because you meet a lot of different people in education. You meet a lot of people in medicine. You have to learn how to get along with a lot of people. People don't always agree with you. And now here I am landing in a position where people may not always agree with me or we may not always agree, but maybe we can meet in the middle. Well, you've pro- largely answered the second question <laughs> I was going to ask, but uh, you can love kids and love education and, and you've written books, you've done all these different things, um, had different careers, if you will, based on the on, on education and so forth. But I just spent a few moments uh, explaining what motivated you to file as a candidate for this school board opening. So when I looked at what was going on in the school system, um, I did not realize that um, I initially thought that some of the positions were appointed and I didn't realize there were as many. And then people, um, you know, would share with me information about things that were going on and not only just at one high school, but at others. And then I did ask myself because I was like, okay, well, where do these kids go from elementary school to the next level? And sometimes people were like, well, that might change based on the district. And so, of course, coming from a different public school system where that wasn't the case, like you went to this middle school or junior high or whatever, and elementary schools fed into a certain place, and then you went, and I said, oh, that's interesting. So, you know, people started talking to me, and they were like, you know, we really need, you know, your help, your expertise. And and I said, okay, well, I'm interested. And so the year that I did look into it, there there were, you know, there weren't any, you know, nobody was open. No, there were no seats up. And then some people contacted me again and were like, hey, you know, this this year there's some seats open. And I was like, okay, I'll look more into it. And then, you know, it kind of, are, are you ready? Are you thinking about doing it? And I'm like, you know what, I, I think I am. I had to discuss with my husband and, and talk to my kids and let them know. Um, that, you know, mom did some things to have more time with you, but a little bit of my time may be taken away. But um, they were okay with that because they're used to seeing me give and tutor and do all these things. So they they were okay with it, and my husband was okay with it. So um, with that being said, then I decided to go ahead and file because I did look into who would I be running against and what was going on, and um, I just don't agree with the things that I'm seeing because I have seen many kids, even some of my friends who I've known since high school, start off as, you know, elementary, middle school, junior high, whatever, and I've helped pick them up and drop them off for different things. And now they've culminated, they've graduated, they're, you know, um, from high school and they've graduated from college. And I'm like, I, I can't say that I agree that the schools are not doing well or they're not, because they're still turning out quality. Like, how, how can you say that? Um, so, that prompted me to say, okay, I definitely need to share my talents that I have and experiences um, with the whole entire community and not just keep that close to my immediate family or people who know me or whether it's my church family or people that ask questions about their kids attending the school and what should they do and how to navigate different things. So I felt like, okay, well, maybe the community can benefit because if they think it's one-sided and that's not really 
the case. I'm going to turn the questioning over to Kate Lancer. Yes. So what is your main goal in running for school board? So it's interesting that people always ask, like, what is the one thing? But from attending meetings and reading, um, I, I see that there are a lot of different things interwoven in the, in the role. Um, but I would definitely say that one of my top interests, uh, or you can consider a goal, is to make sure that the community is aware of all the opportunities that children have at different levels so that they can be successful. Because I feel like sometimes um, people make statements or they say they don't have something, but they have not explored all the opportunities that are available in the community. Like, for instance, we're in the library. The library is an awesome, awesome resource, and a lot of people don't even know all of the things that they can get um, or have access to simply through the library. You know, there's music, there are videos, there's DVDs, there's computer programs. Um, you can even go online, and, you know, if you have your library card, you have access to the globe. You can start to learn languages and things like that, and it's it's respective to your own um, person. You don't have to share it with the family unless you want to. And all my kids have library cards, and I have my own library card, and I have a language that I'm, you know, looking into, and, and they have their own interests. So I feel like on the, you know, on the school board, I think that a big tenet of my role would to be to make sure that everyone is aware of all the opportunities that the school system and the community can provide. Um, I could even give another example. Example: um, Some people don't know that because you're part of the community, because you're part of HSC District, you can go up on a Saturday morning or in the mornings and you can walk on the track if that's what you want to do. Like the schools are an extension of the community. And sometimes people don't realize that like, Oh, I could take my kids up to the playground if it's, you know, not locked or whatever. And they can play. Yes, you can do that if you're not close to a park. So I feel like those things are important for people to know so that maybe they have a better sense of what the school system, the school district offers. So would you say that's the biggest improvement that we need to make as a school district or are there others? I wouldn't say that's the biggest. I would definitely say that there are other areas. Um, there's always areas that people can improve. You know, I've, I've, I've said this statement before. I've read it, and, and I, I find it to be true. The largest room is a room for improvement. Um, you could write something and revise it the same day or the next day and, and make it even better. Um, you know, those are the good things about being able to read, learn, synthesize, being educated. You can always reevaluate, reassess. Um, I mean, that's how we've come to where we are now. We're in a room where we can podcast. We have digital access to to do um, conversation. Before it was one-on-one, you know, and you had the radio Walkman and a tape, and then the tape evolved to a CD and, and beyond and beyond. I think things can always be better. Things can always improve. Um, so if I had to pick something else, aside from making sure that people have the community feel, uh, I would probably, just based on my experience with my, seeing what my children experience at the different levels right now and in the past, um, it would be, I would say for the most part, and I've seen these changes, um, in the classroom making sure that the focus is on the outcome. I know a lot of times people focus on the grades, and uh, that's fine because I've, I've done that before. I mean, we have to have some type of measure, right, mm-hmm. to say how you're doing. It doesn't always have to be against each other. They don't always have to compete. Um, but I think the outcome is key. And that's where I, I come with my statement that I always say, and I used to say to my students and I say to my kids, there's a difference between learning an A and earning an A. You could get that A, and then I could rearrange everything 
in the subject, whether it's history, social studies, mathematics. I could rearrange the concepts, and then I give you the same paper because I want the same outcome, but you didn't learn it, and you don't know what I'm talking about. And so then you don't get the same outcome as in your measure, as in your grade. So I think there's a big difference um, with learning the A and earning the A or whatever you get because later it can be proposed to you in life. So I would definitely like to see in the classrooms more of the focus on the outcome, which, like I said, I'm starting to see. Sometimes that means that you have to retest. And are you retesting the whole class or are you retesting a certain person? But if you're the educator and your goal is for someone to learn and to get a concept, Maybe the first way you delivered it is not the best way. They didn't get it. They showed you on the measure that you tried to use, and they, they didn't do well. Um, so they missed something. Either it was them that they weren't doing well that day, or they missed the concept completely, or they just don't understand it. But either way, I feel like as my role as a teacher, or if someone is the educator, that that should be the focus. What's the outcome? What, what is my class or what are the students or what are the, the group of children learning in the end? Did they, are they better than when they came in? Yeah. <laughs> What's the outcome? Uh, what did you do in education before you were a physician? <laughs> uh, so I have a uh, bachelor's of um, science, so a biological science degree, and I have a BS. When I, <laughs> when I was about to graduate, the deans of different schools, like the dean of math and science and the dean of education, you know, they talk about all their top students. So they had gotten together and decided that I would make a good teacher. And I was just like, what are you talking about? I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not seen all my essays and things and, I'm, and all the internships and places I'm going? I am a doctor. I do research. I do science. I'm not doing that. But they looked over my transcript and they said, listen, we have some programs here in the state. And all you need to do is take your transcript. Just just try it. Just go up there and see what they endorse you for. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I talked to some more people because they weren't going to let me out of that that easy. So I went to talk to the guy that was over the honors curriculum. And um, I'll never forget this conversation. And he said, you have so many skills. You have so much to offer. You probably don't realize that a lot of us teachers could teach lots of different courses. He said, but find the courses that you feel comfortable and more importantly, that you want to do. Let them endorse you for those. And a lot of the other seasoned teachers told me the same thing. They said, because based off your transcript, they were like, they'll endorse you for everything because they need teachers in English and history. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And one of my biggest is that I would always tell people is I didn't want to do math Mm -hmm. because I felt like, you know, maybe I only know 25 ways to do the problem and there's 50. And if someone, kid comes up and they're bright and they do it and I can't see their concept, I don't want to tell them that they're wrong because they're, they're probably not wrong. Um, and they were like, oh, they have ways to help you, but if you don't feel comfortable, then don't you know, put it over a certain level. So I decided upon, uh, I allowed them, <laughs> I say allow, because I did, because they wanted to add something else, and I said no. Um, I have physical science and biology, so I'm grade seven through 12. So because I, what they consider like a hard degree, like I didn't have a lot of, um, I had humanities and psychology and things like that, Uh, they put you on the specific courses. If you had like elementary, early ed, and all those other type of like psychology classes, then you can do K through 12, but they have, you know, limitations. So I'm seven through 12, and I did um, science. Mm -hmm. So I did eighth grade science in middle school, and in eighth grade science at that particular state's curriculum, it included a lot of uh, physical science, which is like a lot of physics, and uh, chemistry, and then I introduced some biochem for them. 
uh, just to kind of make it fun. And of course, I didn't leave out the biology where I could tease that in. And uh, then at the high school level, um, which I did here in Indiana, I was biology. So the classes are usually more mixed. Um, I did some have some classes that were predominantly like freshmen or freshmen, sophomores. Um, but most of the classes were grade 9 through 12. Um, and so they would be mixed. And then, of course, you follow the state curriculum at the time um, and some of the tenets that the, the district wants to make sure. And so my classes at the high school level were probably very heavy on uh, lab in lab experiences, um, following instructions, reading directions, metrics, things like that, because at the time, those were a lot of the uh, areas. So that is what I did as as an educator. Got it. Uh, so now this is a question from Casey. What unique perspective do you bring to the table as a physician, and how is that helpful for fostering a good environment in the district? Um, that is an excellent question. And to answer that, I will first reflect on why I wanted to, you know, when I started to become a doctor and I started my interview track. I met a doctor who I was asking to write a letter of recommendation. And I came and had my suit on and all the things that, you know, you're supposed to do. And at this time, you know, you have to remember, I've just graduated from undergrad, so I'm not already in medical school. I'm trying to get in. Um, but I'm an adult, so I'm like like 20-ish, 21-ish or whatever. And I come with all these effects, and I bring all my transcripts and letters and different things and artifacts, and I want to share this with him. And uh, he says, I don't need to look at that. I don't need to see any of that. The fact that you're here right now wanting to meet with me, wanting to talk to me, lets me know that you probably have what it takes. But I want to talk to you about people. And I'm like, what? You talk to me about people. And he asked me a question, and he said, similar to kind of what you're asking, um, and that's why I'm bringing it up. He said, uh, well, what do, you, what, do you think, what do you think you're going to be doing as a physician? What do you think people need? And I'm like, uh, I'm not a doctor yet, so I don't really know. And I was like, oh, you know, they have health problems, and they're going to come to you, and, and you're going to help them get better. And he put his head down, and he, he looked, and he said, that's part of it. He said, but that's not all of it. He said, people are going to come to you from all walks of life, all types of ethnicities, all types of genders. He said, and they are looking to you as the expert. You need to know how to treat them, not just as in their condition, but as a person. He said, you need to know how to speak to them, talk to them, work where they are, like maybe they, you know, meet them where they are. They don't know what's going on and you see a bigger problem and they think it's one thing and you see something else. He said you have to gain their trust. You have to um, learn how to work within the community that you're in. You're going to see disparities and things like that. And that was so profound to me because I'd never really thought about that. I had my reasons for wanting to go into medicine and I'm thinking, you know, oh, this group of people are marginalized or this group, you know, they need help the most. And, And he said, all people need all of those things that you just said. He said, you don't know it yet because you're not there. He said, but when you get there, remember that. And that has always stayed ever present in my mind because I tell people all the time, people can have all types of things to say when they're in a group, but when they're with you one-on-one, you really get to see who they are and what they need. And uh, I've had that opportunity to meet with people one-on-one or in a couple or a group or a family, give good news, give bad news, 
try to help guide them for the next steps. And I feel like those type of experiences, those type of opportunities will serve me well here only because I'm not afraid to look on the outside and not, you know, you don't always, you can't always just follow the status quo. You sometimes have to do things. That's, that's why I titled my book Unboxed. You, everything doesn't fit in the box. It just, does, it just doesn't. Just like how oh, you usually want to be a doctor, be a doctor. Okay, but you know what? I kind of like education. And my dad even said to me, you know, you were doing that and you were having fun. I, I'm really surprised you still want to go back to school. And I said, but you know what, Dad? I love to read. I love to learn. And I, I just enjoy it. And I don't see why they can't go together. I was like, someone's teaching me how to be a doctor. So, like, they obviously are, are an educator. Why, why can't they go together? I was like, you go to the doctor and they teach you how to use the medicine. The pharmacist teaches you how to take the medicine or tells you the do's and don'ts. I said, I just, I feel like they go together. And now, um, which kind of is interwoven in the question you asked me before, that's what I'm seeing is now that all these markets and genres are, are blending together because now I'm on the business side <clears throat> of medicine and I would have never thought that I would be here because people didn't think. And now a lot of these doctors are having to catch up because they've got to learn the computer and the business side of medicine. And it wasn't something that they were doing um, from the start. So those experiences that I've had working with people, meeting them at different levels, at different um, steps along the way. So when I describe medicine, sometimes we, we talk about primary, secondary, and tertiary. Most people come to us in the secondary and the tertiary stage, right? So what does that mean? That means they're really sick or they're close to death, you know, unfortunately, and they're like, fix me. But I'm family medicine, right? So we want you on the other end of the pendulum. We want you at primary, say, before these things happen, do this. Before that happens, so you don't have to take this medicine or, or change your lifestyle, do this. Um, and it's really hard to get people there. So I, I, I look at the school board as being an area where sometimes you guys are in the secondary stage, there might be some illnesses or some sicknesses, and maybe we could have done some things preemptively because we're learning when we watch the news from other people. So maybe if we don't have a certain safety or escape plan, maybe we should look into that, you know, because global warming is real and climates are changing and places have never had tornadoes or hurricanes or windstorms or whatever. They're having these things. And then why wait until something's destroyed? to even at least evaluate and say, can we withstand? Can our building withstand this? Or what are we going to do? Like, you know, like now people have to have active shooter drills. Did we, I never thought I was going to have to have an active shooter drill in the hospital. Like, are you crazy? Like, you know, we do the fire and all that and how to get, you know, patients up and down stairs. Okay, fine. But the active shooter, that's different. And when you start to think about it, you're like, you know what? There isn't a lot of security and the doors aren't locked all the time. And so then there have been some changes and measures and there's lock codes and all that kind of stuff. Schools are moving in the same direction, unfortunately. So I just think that having those types of experiences, seeing those things, not being afraid to say, let's look at what's going on around us and consider are those things that we need to do in our area, what, what changes are happening. So you have to keep the lines of communication open with the police department, with the mayor, with the city, everything that's changing. Because, you know, we don't always broadcast everything that's happening, right, because you don't want everyone to know, don't want people to feel unsafe, but we do need to be aware and we need to, you know, be cognizant in case we need to make plans. So that, those are just some examples, hopefully, uh, that gives you an idea of how I'm thinking about different things. Like I said, I don't feel like my role is just going to be one thing. I feel like as a group, as a collective group of board members, we will probably have different issues come up that we probably need to ponder, address, try to see, can we tease out some, some good solutions? Yeah. Um, so HSC, I feel like has done a lot to progress equity 
in our school district, how would you continue that progression? So <clears throat> another good question, <clears throat> because I say that because a lot of times people hear equity and they think quality. And even within my um, current role, I'm learning that sometimes some things that I thought were examples of equity are actually examples of equality. So I definitely think that making sure that everyone understands the difference between the two and what equity really means, um, and then obviously finding out areas where, okay, these are the, some tenants that you said, you know, they're, they're doing these things for equity. Follow up on it. What do the students feel if they're the direct recipients of what is supposed to be equitable? Do they feel that way? Um, I think that's a, a good start. And then next, we maybe need to follow up and ask the students if they feel like uh, what are some areas where they need improvement or some things that they'd like to see. Um, and so I bring that up because um, I feel like I don't I don't know if this is a problem that uh, our district has, but I have seen it in other areas where, for instance, um, the kids' parents don't have, so it's like wraparound services. The families don't all have washers and dryers in their home. And so some of the schools have just put washers and dryers in the schools so that the parents can come on the weekend <clears throat> when they have time and the kids can wash their clothes and the kids have clean clothes. Now that seems, you know, crazy to some people, right? And they're like, oh, why can't they have? But everybody doesn't have that. And that's what equity is. And so if you want everyone in the school to feel welcome and feel complete and feel whole, then we're going to do our best to make sure that everyone has what they're supposed to have. Two more questions. Two more questions. All right. So this is also from Casey. <coughs> During tenure as a school board member, how would you respond if individual children or teachers were specifically targeted, insulted, and berated by a fellow school board member using their official school board media page for expressing an <coughs> opinion that differs from the adult in office? So <laughs> I, I think I've kind of answered this before at the forum, but um, I, I still stand firm on this. No one likes a bully. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's appropriate uh, when you are a member who represents an organization um, or, a com or the community, I feel like you have certain expectations. And I've always been taught, I've always been told, and I try to govern myself in the same fashion if I have a, a fault with my brother or sister, I'm going to go to them directly. Mm -hmm. I don't need to broadcast. That's not, a, that's not appropriate. And I, mean, I know that's the way of politics. People like to do that. But I don't feel like it's ever effective. What is the goal? Whomever can throw a temper tantrum, but then at the end, did we solve anything? And I feel like in this type of role, that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to have unity and progress. We're not trying to have division. So if I have a concern or a question, I feel like, you know, people need to go to those people directly or people need to, you know, work through the parents to talk to the student. But again, I can't impose my own personal values on someone, um, especially if it's not causing any harm or detriment. It's, it's none of my business. This to be perfectly honest. I mean, it doesn't affect how I'm running my household or how I'm taking care of my children or my family in any form or fashion. Um, I just, I don't live in that space. So I, I understand that some people like to do that, but it's just, 
it's not a goal of mine to ever live in that space. I don't think you're productive there. Yeah. And so when you're running for school board, uh, you have your stakeholders. So you have your Mm -hmm. students, your parents in the community, and teachers. Who do you represent? Who do you think is the most important voice out of those groups? (laughs) That's funny because I represent all of them. I've been an educator, so I know where they're coming from. I have three kids, so I'm I'm a parent um, as well. And then um, I don't know who the other... uh, uh, but you have you said you have parents, teachers, and students. Students, and so I mean, I guess I'm kind of in both because my kids are the students and I'm the parent. Um, <clears throat> I think they're all equally important. We can't have one without the other. I mean, our teachers are invaluable. I mean, a lot of us rely on having them help. Um, I mean, they're, it's a job. They're <laughs> five days a week, eight hours a day, and that's what I tell my kids. Are you ready for are you ready for work today? And they're like, Oh, mom, and I, but it is your job, and that's why I used to tell my students because you're going there every day and you're spending so much time. So I, I don't see how we could not entrust um, and support and love on and continue to um, provide for our educators because and administrators as well because they are sacrificing their life, their time to nurture our children and to make them the best people that they can be. Um, so they definitely are, are high on the list. Um, but parents are important, too, because there are a lot of parents who say, you know what, I'm going to be a homemaker. And that's a difficult job. I'm not going to lie, because uh, who wants to, you know, <laughs> tidy the house and, you know, organize all day long. But some people have a knack for it, and they're, and they're great at that. And they take those skills, and they come into this school, and they help as well. Um, and, and those are all good things. And, and I can say that because my kids have attended different schools within the system, and um I definitely loved the community feel at Fishers. They were super supportive, super sweet. I was able to come in on different occasions and, you know, read to the class and help the teachers and, you know, share some of the skills that I had. And same at Thorpe Creek, you know, could go in. And I know my daughter's second grade class, I read a book. Um, so when I say who's important, you know, teachers and administrators are important. Parents are, are also important. And then our students, I mean, I almost want to push them up right with the teachers. I'll say they're number one because our kids are number one. I mean, they're our future. That's what we're looking for. That's why we're here. With Without the kids, we wouldn't have a school system. And without the teachers, we wouldn't have anyone to support the students. So um, I feel like it's a it's a fair game to say they're, they all have equal input, um, but our teachers are definitely um, invaluable. I'll wrap this up by asking this question. There's been much discussion, Dr. Cork, mm-hmm. on how to teach race-related issues in, mm-hmm. in social studies and, and other related classes. Mm-hmm. I'm interested, in, from your perspective as an African-American woman, even though you'd be representing the entire community on the school board, I'm interested in your perspective. What is your view on how race, particularly in something like a history class or others that might be related to that as well, how should uh, race and race issues be taught in local schools? When you bring a community together, you're bound to have people who have different experiences. And as an edu- as a, you know, educator, one of the things I like to do was try to do icebreakers or find out who some of my leaders were in the classroom. And, and one of my favorite uh, activities to do was to ask everyone in the room to learn how to line up by birth, day and month, but no talking. Can't mouth your lips and all that. And from doing that, I found out that one of my students knew sign language. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And so because it was something that he did at home, he inherently immediately went to signing. And then he realized no one knew how to sign but him. 
Um, so that opened up a great opportunity for us all to discuss and say, hey, how, why do you know how to do this? And he's like, well, both of my parents are deaf, and that's how I communicate with them. But he could speak perfectly fine. He didn't have a problem. And so then that opened up for other kids to want to talk to him and learn. So I bring that up because, like, that's an area of sensitivity, right? He didn't have to share that with us, but he did. Um, so when we have a bunch of different ethnicities and people from different cultures and community together, it's usually best to try to share because then you can learn. Most of the time we have a lot of uh, commonalities and not a lot of differences. So when you're teaching things, um, one of my my favorite uh, is something like for a subject like this is a, a KWL. What do you know? What do you want to know? And, and then the, at the end, what have you learned? Um, that's one of my favorites. Um, so I would like to see that used more um, when they're doing that because the bottom line is everybody doesn't like maybe what has happened during a certain time period or era, but it is a fact. And if it took place, <laughs> I feel like people should be made aware of it. Um, there's so many things, and it's not just to our nation. Um, there are things that happened in other nations that <clears throat> directly affected um, um, activities and events in our uh, culture, in our nation. Um, a lot of people, if they actually would read history books, they'd find out how a lot of religion um, and things had a lot of influence on education, especially like people learning how to read. A lot of people learned how to read. The first book was the Bible. Everybody, every ethnicity learned they used that book. And it's a good primer, really, if you even open up Genesis, because it has a lot of basic short sentences, and the kids can understand that. Um, and then it has a lot of other words that will start to evolve, and then you use that for to build the vocabulary. So I would say that if we're teaching history, you can't skip the parts that you don't like, and you can't only focus on the parts that you do like, because then you might be missing the big picture and you don't really know what's happening and and I say in a way to teach it um, I do like the KWL method so what do you know about it what do you want to know and what have you learned we're a little over time so I'll ask you to be brief but uh, no this is your chance to uh, make a final comment on anything you'd like to talk about something maybe uh, we did not think to ask uh, just a, a brief uh, final comment from you well um, for in brevity I'd like to say that I hope that my passion for education and my love for community and family has shown through in my time today. And I definitely uh, would say to anyone, if you have any questions for me, any concerns, anything that you'd like to know about me, um, for the most part, I'm an open book. Obviously, I do have boundaries with my kids and my husband, but um, I don't mind sharing any of my experiences or thoughts uh, and we don't always have to agree, but maybe if you're interested in seeing the other side, and I, and I do appreciate the time, and um, I appreciate for those who believe in me and uh, feel that I can serve and be an asset to the community. Um, I'm only a product of, of what I've experienced and love through the community that I grew up in, and I, I said this to lots of principals, and because I, I mean it, I want my kids to have the same experience. I want them to have the same longevity of friends that maybe they see over and over, over time, and then they end up living in the community with them as well if that's what they choose to do and stay in this area. Dr. Carla Cork is a candidate for the Hamilton Southeastern School Board in District 3. So, Dr. Cork, Kate Lancer, thank you very much for joining me today. 